As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello, I'm Anna Davis and you are listening to the On Farm podcast. Today I am sitting at my computer. I have views of fields in front of me. Um, I am on the farm, but I'm also taking part in the Virtual Scottish Rural Parliament. It's an event that takes place every two years, usually, and in fact I think every previous occasion, it's a face-to-face physical event, but of course this year um, that cannot be the case due to Covid. So it is Monday the 8th of March, I'm sitting at my computer and I am logged into the attendee portal and in front of me I can see there's a virtual exhibition with a number of different exhibitors. Um, there's a meeting hub and if I scroll down, there's a network, time for networking. There is um, a welcome session from Theona, who is the acting chair of the Scottish Rural Parliament. And in exactly 11 minutes time, the next um, event will take place. So that, if I just look at the schedule, is a discussion on equality within rural Scotland. So this is all quite new to me. I have to admit that I've not attended the Scottish Rural Parliament before. I guess I'm appreciating how important it is for everybody living and working or enjoying rural Scotland to be able to have a voice and get involved and contribute and and be heard. So here we are at the virtual attendee portal of the Virtual Scottish Rural Parliament. It's Monday 8th of March and just coming up to 11 o'clock, so I'm just heading into my first event. Kate Sankey, who runs West Moss Side Organic Farm and Centre near Stirling, and Patrick Morrison, a musician and rural housing campaigner. In fact, a BBC Radio Scotland Young Musician of the Year finalist, no less, from the Outer Hebrides. They've been recording their thoughts and responses for On Farm as they've been attending various sessions and various talks. We're very grateful indeed to them for that, and uh, here's a bit more from them now. Uh, looking forward to hearing what the different speakers have to offer in this uh, session on local democracy. What can I see? Well, I'm a wee bit late because I've been out in the field all day and didn't realise the time because it was quite a bonny spring day and I got quite a lot of digging done. So I've missed the welcome from the Scottish Government, Fergus Ewing, Cabinet Secretary, although usefully that is up there so I can join it at any point. I presume that's been recorded. Well, hello. It's a, a pleasure to address this, the fourth session of the Rural Parliament. It's a shame that we, we can't meet in person and I'm sure that we're all sorely missing that and the camaraderie. The outcomes speak for themselves. We now have community life plans for Strathard either completed or in progress. 
We've had excellent buy-in and collaboration with both the Loch Lomond and Trussex National Park and Stirling County. Just two things that we've learned is one, that, uh, that in order for those decisions which should be taken at a local level to take place at a local level, there needs to be some kind of agreement about what those decisions are. Uh, and some so I caught the tail end of the discussion I wanted to see, which was a rural movement for Scotland. Uh, an interesting guy from Finland was talking about the way the rural movement works there. Just out of the session there on democracy and local governance, really great session, lots of great ideas from the speakers, some really positive examples of community integration and local democracy like that from around Scotland. We'll hear more snippets from Patrick and Kate and their explorations of the virtual rural parliament at various points later in the programme. We were really keen to get those voices for this episode. If we were making a programme at a physical gathering or conference as we have in the past at both AgriScot and the NFU Scotland AGM, for example, we'd be wandering around the lobbies and corridors, soaking up the atmosphere, snatching a few volivants and a cup of tea, maybe even a, a cocktail or two, and talking to people you know, in person about their experiences. But sadly, we're not able to do that at the moment. So we're really grateful to Kate and Patrick for helping us to replicate that as far as possible. Uh, next, though, and for the bulk of this episode, I'm going to speak with someone who is one of the guiding lights running and driving this Scottish Rural Parliament. I'm Fiona Morrison and I'm Acting Chair of Scottish Rural Action and I'm based on Grimsey or in Grimsey in the Outer Hebrides of Scotland. We've grabbed you away from the sessions of today. You are currently, as you say, you've been immersed all day in it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you've been listening to um, in today's sessions? Um, yes, I was in uh, a couple of sessions today. Uh, the first one we were in were, was looking at the rural and island economy. Um, so it doesn't get bigger than that, really, when one is concerned about how we ensure that young people, that is young economically active people, um, are able to live, work, return to rural and island Scotland. That's hugely important. And also the, the sort of diversity of what can happen uh, and be developed across rural and island Scotland as a living and working community, year-round employment, year-round residence and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so, so today... Um today's been about um, the islands and, and economic activity. Obviously, that's kind of one of the themes of the whole parliament. There are five days in total, is that right, spread across a couple of weeks. That's right. Um, and for the first time ever, uh, the Scottish Rural Parliament is being run on a virtual and digital basis. Now, there must be some pros and there must be some cons of doing it that way. It's been forced on you by COVID. But what have been the good, the good and the bad and the ugly of, of that situation? Well, the good has obviously been that it probably has had a far greater reach. If you're a farmer and you're in Caithness or you're in Orkney or you're in the Western Isles or you're even in the borders and wherever the physical parliament might have been held, you know, we're not far off lambing and there's carving and so on. You're unlikely to be able to say, well, I'll just pack my suitcase and go to the rural parliament for three days. But but on the other hand, you know, you can certainly maybe log in. Uh, and likewise, you know, people with in any other kind of job in the rural economy. You've got people working in health and social care. If ever their roles were so important in a time of COVID and so on, um, you've got teachers, you know, you've got 
you know, everybody who works in an urban economy also works in a rural economy and much more. And so, you know, in a way, a virtual parliament means that they are probably able to join for at least some of the time. The very obvious downside is that there is not 100% coverage of fast broadband coverage for everybody to be able to join. And there are black spots. But then we know that that is an improving situation. We know that is improving, which also means that uh, a younger demographic and, you know, working demographic is more able to work from these rural island parts. So we know that it is improving, but it is certainly not comprehensive yet. No, absolutely. And, and that's something we hear regularly. Uh, even you know, I myself, I'm only 17 miles outside of Edinburgh. Um, but we have huge connectivity problems. So I won't even go there. But I totally understand, understand where you're coming from. Now, I've been listening in to a few sessions. I've heard the most amazing stuff. I'm so impressed by the technology. I'm so impressed by the videos I've seen. They've included drone footage and all sorts. I've heard best practice from overseas. Huge amount of young people taking part, which you mentioned. So we're going to play a few clips now of of some of the video, the, the audio diaries that we've had from participants attending various sessions and then perhaps have a chat about those afterwards. So I'm away to join a session, a breakout session. I've been allotted to a small meeting. I am in a room with four other people. Now, if you haven't seen the breakouts, they've been going. So I'm just going to have to go through and ask the remaining people here where you'd like to be put into. So I'm just going to go in order. And Trail, where would you like to be going to, please? Usually I really enjoy going to Scottish Rural Action events and the Scottish Rural Parliament. You meet loads of folk and get a good chance to network and mix and have a chat over a cuppa. And I do miss that. I really miss that about the way we were having to do everything online at the moment. But the organisers are trying to come up with alternatives. So there are chat rooms that you can pop into. You can have a look around online virtual stalls. And that's really good. It is a good way of of trying to address that sense of being a part of something and yet not quite a part of it. It was also really good to, to hear questions coming from folk on Orkney and folk in other parts of the Highlands of Scotland as well showing just how widespread and similar there are of issues and so collectively coming together through through the parliament's a really good way that all these geographically disparate places can come together and and kind of um share ideas but also have a stronger voice to campaign for the things that would would really improve the lives in these different places. Given the circumstances we're living in I think that it's it's really good and perhaps there's a way that we can incorporate this to enable equality of access more for people who don't want to travel for days to get to an event. There are people involved like I am as well in Zoom meetings several every day of the week. So the fact that this is in a virtual platform now means that actually the vast majority of people are very used to interacting this way. And actually for a rural community and an island community, it actually has some plus points people being able to engage if not all the time some of the time from a rural you know from a rural location but that also means they have almost an equal share of voice you know it used to be in the past where you know you went to a meeting and 
you were the only one perhaps who would join digitally or else it would take you three days to get there. Whereas at least now everybody is equal. So it's a real leveller. And I think, you know, people are joining in the chat and they're commenting on the on the panel, you know, and asking questions. I think it's working so far very, very good as well. In terms of the 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 discussion around democracy, which we heard comments on there, you know, these are critical issues. We look at some of the Scandinavian countries where they have maybe 300 municipalities and each one has responsibility and autonomy for its particular area. These countries are very similar to Scotland and yet we've only got 32 local authorities. And if you look at Highland and Argyll, these are huge areas. So, you know, on the other hand, you've got for example, in the Outer Hebrides, 80% of the land in community ownership. When you have community land-owning estates, isn't that part of democracy when you have people voted on to their management groups and have a real voice in their communities where they live? So democracy, um, as was highlighted, is really interesting. That's really fascinating because effectively what you're saying to me, I think, is that the very nature of, of the fact that it's being run virtually this time around the Scottish Rural, Rural Parliament is increasing the level of democracy that, that we're able to experience because people have got that level playing field and more of an opportunity to have their voice heard and even more of an opportunity to attend full stop because they're not faced with geographical or travel barriers. Yeah, I mean, um, as I have said before, the Rural Parliament, the Scottish Rural Parliament has been held uh, three times before in Oban, Brechin and Stranra. And this is the first time where it's being held in it virtually. Even in the physical ones, it struck me that the vast majority of meetings that we all go to, if 80% of your population is living in an urban context, then you often feel that the rural and island voice is quite a small voice. So the rural parliament has always been a fantastic model as far as I'm concerned, where you have got this coming together of people who have the lived experience of rural and island lives. Um, but at the same time, I think the virtual, as I just said, means that more people can probably engage in that, providing they've got the connectivity. Now, anybody who's at home listening to this podcast on the day that it's broadcast, which is Monday, the 15th of March, those people still have two more days that they, they can engage with the Scottish Rural Parliament. Because, uh, as I said, we're at this point in time, we've had three out of five of the day. So if you're one of those people and you do want to engage with the Scottish Rural Parliament uh, for the remaining two days, just Google Scottish Rural Parliament and you'll find information about how you can register and, and take part. I think that's important to say. Um, but for this point in time, Fiona, we, we, we're three days in now. Um, what are you seeing as some of the, the, A, I suppose, the pressing issues that, that kind of need to be addressed and B, connected to that, some of the outcomes that you think you might see as a result of, of what's happened so far? Well, I think I'd like to start um, by reflecting on the beginning of the Rural Parliament with the Young People's Day, which was on Saturday. And that was, you know, young people leading change. You know, the future is theirs. And they are really engaged in climate. As I've already said, they're engaged in wanting a different portfolio, really, in terms of their life, what's important to them. So they held their day on Saturday and the issues that came out of that for them, the, the five top ones, if you like, were housing, climate crisis, 
skills for for jobs and so on and employment uh, and that relates to population wanting to live and work in rural and island communities mental health and good food so these were the key thing that's actually six things isn't it so these are the top things that they um that they highlighted. And I think we must hold on to that. And then as we have moved through the week, so as we've talked about, yes, we've talked about democracy, we've talked about the rural movement and what that might look like and so on. And then today we've looked at rural and island economies. And then we've looked at tourism and digital connectivity and then the coastal lands and how that is managed as well and how much communities have have an input into that. So that's what we've been discussing thus far. But it is amazing. I was uh, facilitating one of the groups on uh, rural and island economies. And yet again, housing came up um, as being a key thing for uh, young people being able to stay, live and work in the communities or return to the communities where they're from. Yes, uh, that's really interesting. Those six things identified and highlighted by young people but actually even to us um i don't know how i describe myself relatively young but definitely not young it still rings true doesn't it those six things you know when you hear them you think of course that that absolutely sums it up but it's good to hear it coming from them rather than the rest of us just trying to 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 dictate so um Certainly, you know, each of those six things you mentioned on that list was resonating with me and, I, and I'm sure many other people. So I, I think there's a couple of things I would like to sort of kind of shine a light on, really. So coming up at the Rural Parliament, we still have uh, climate change, rural and island transport services and good food. Um, they will be um, on the 16th of March. And then on the 18th of March, we'll be looking at rural health and well-being. And then there'll be a final panel of hustings. So um, if anybody does want to join, that's what we've got ahead of us to discuss. The other thing I think to consider is what rural life really means. This is the On Farm podcast I presume that a lot of your listenership is living a rural life. There yes, will be, I think, most. Yes, some will be aspiring to a rural life, mm-hmm. and I think just even considering what rural life is in Scotland, we have definitions that talk about things like your if you're within half an hour of driving to a, a town with a population of around about ten thousand people or a village call it what you will, you know, that's rural. And anything beyond that, more than half an hour, it's considered remote and rural. From my perspective, where I'm on an island on the Atlantic coast um, of the Outer Hebrides, sure, this is the centre of the universe for me and my world. But also, I mean, I am living a rural life. I'm on a croft. I can tell you that Young Crofters held a meeting recently where more than 130 young people were discussing how to get access to crofts because they're interested in being able to produce food and all that kind of thing. And yet you can also be on the edge of some of our, even our island towns and live quite an urban life. And yet you said, Anna, you were 17 miles from Edinburgh. I don't know where you are, but you could be just 15 minutes from the ring road around Edinburgh and be living a more rural life than someone who's on the edge of maybe one of our bigger 
island or considered rural towns. So I mm. just think everybody should be thinking about what is rural and island. Right, I've got a wee minute before I have to go and put the bread on. So let's have a look um, in the virtual exhibition. Let's have a look at food and drink because that's a particular interest of mine. Let me click here and there's Neighbourhood Valley, Forth Valley, Lomond Leader, Wild Food Festival. So there's Community Land Scotland, uh, Improvement Service, Concordantry Development Partnership, Plunkett Foundation, Rural Movement, oh, Rural Policy Centre, Rural College. So oh, there's quite a few things to have a look at. So I might go and put my bread on, get a cuppa and find out more about the Black Isle Partnership. What we need, and I know the Scottish Government are very interested in this business of a 20-minute neighbourhood. Now, you know, 20-minute neighbourhood for me might mean I would starve to death, you know, because it would take me quite a while to get to the shops and all the rest of it. However, yeah. we don't have to look that far back to when people out of necessity went within a very short distance to everything that sustained their life. Yeah. And so it's these are just really interesting discussions post-COVID, but also, you know, with the environmental concerns and indeed with Brexit and people are more concerned about local food production and food a short mile, uh, uh, shorter food miles and all these kind of things. These are all big things for the rural economy and a great opportunity for Scotland's rural economy, I would say. Gosh, yes. Yeah, that that was truly inspiring and inspirational to hear that because it 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 just kind of reframes, I think, the way we think about rural life. Well, I've just finished the Equalities and the Rural Opportunities meeting. It was absolutely mind-blowing. It was about um, equalities and campaigning for equal opportunities in rural and island communities, and it was really moving. It's such a good way of doing it uh, online like this because folk in the islands can easily take part without having hours and days of travel. So just uh, I'll just welcome in Kat and David, presumably walking the corridors of Zoom and found a door that looked half, half open and stepped inside. Good to see you in here. I'm now watching another presentation, a live presentation, which is quite close to my heart actually because it's by a girl called Kaya who runs a company called Handam which focuses, they're based in um, Aberfeldy and they focus on helping local communities to reduce waste and reuse and recycle. Um, so they sell um, eco-friendly products and are working with the whole community. Um, so I, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but really quite keen to to reduce waste and um, cut out plastic and use more eco-friendly products. So this is really interesting. It was also really good to to hear questions coming from folk on Orkney and folk in other parts of the Highlands of Scotland as well, showing just how widespread and similar there are of issues. And so collectively coming together through, through the Parliament's a really good way that all these geographically disparate places can come together and, and kind of share ideas, but also have a stronger voice to campaign for the things that would, would really improve the lives in these different places. Ultimately, the results or the, the discussions from today will be 
uh, put together in, into a manifesto and, and therefore drive policy change. And I think that's a really, really good thing that people of all ages, genders, uh, race can get involved and have their voices and their opinions heard. It's been fantastic to engage and to see the level of enthusiasm, the level of knowledge and the level of technical ability as well that's that's been going on. And um, I would urge anybody who is listening in time to engage with the final two days and also to look out in two years time for how uh, the next rural parliament will look and without doubt to to engage with that. You know, in two years time, hopefully we won't be constrained by COVID in the way that we are now. How would you like to see it operating in terms of, um, I, I guess, a might be a merger between physical and virtual, taking learnings from this year, uh, but also perhaps to a degree going a little bit back to, to the face-to-face opportunities? How do you see that kind of panning out in two years' time? Uh, yeah, and I, I think it's it's probably a very difficult one to call that because you wouldn't want a two-tier where, you know, suddenly it was sort of you were only on the inside if you were there physically as opposed to virtually. But if they, that could be managed so that there was genuine um, engagement from the virtual audience but there was still an opportunity for people to meet physically, then I suppose that kind of hybrid model may be the way forward. But in all honesty, I think it's too soon to call. But in two years' time down the line, there will have been other conferences who've already gone down that road and hopefully will have developed a model that will work. But the most important thing is that everyone, you know, even from an environmental point of view, you know, a big conference even coming up this year about the environment. Is it right that everybody gets on a plane or goes on endless, you know, journeys to get there when it's about the environment? So we need to consider that as well. Do you think COVID has really kind of been a pivot point then in terms of this kind of, not just the definition, but but the lifestyle of, of, of rural life? Yeah, and I mean, I, people do say, or it is said, So whoever coined this phrase first off, and it wasn't me, said that a trend will accelerate during a crisis or something of that order. So I do think that COVID, along with, um, you know, environmental things, all sorts of concerns that people have, mean that the urban model is no longer necessarily delivering for them. But as I said to you, you know, I I cannot say that without being totally concerned about the the demographics within Scotland's rural economy for it to be able to work and to thrive. We mustn't let go of that. If 80% of the population are living in the central belt and only 17% are living in rural and island Scotland, then they have to be living and working and working communities year round with permanent jobs, sustaining food, local services and all the rest of it. Um, We must enable that to happen for them to flourish and for rural Scotland and island Scotland to flourish. Fiona Morrison there, many, many thanks to her. Fiona is Acting Chair of Scottish Rural Action and she joined me for a chat from Grimsey in the Outer Hebrides in the midst 
of the flurry of activity around the Scottish Rural Parliament. So thank you again, Fiona. Thanks also to Kate Sankey and Patrick Morrison for recording their audio diaries. Um, As we've said, there are still two days of sessions left, so just Google Scottish Rural Parliament to sign up and get involved. It's been a brilliant learning experience for me, certainly. I'm looking forward to attending more sessions on the final two days. And next time, two years from now, it'll be really interesting to see how everything that they've learned and taken on during the pandemic helps to create um, what will probably be a hybrid model for uh, the Parliament. Um, This episode of On Farm was commissioned by the Scottish Rural Network, part of the Scottish Rural Development Programme. So thank you for listening. As always, we um, are so grateful to anybody who listens, who likes, who shares our episodes, whether that's on social media or just in conversation around the dinner table. We totally rely on you to spread the word and tell people about us and recommend us to other people. So please, please continue to do that. And where possible, we will give you a shout out or a thank you in forthcoming episodes. Uh, You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at on underscore farm UK. And if you search on farm podcast on facebook you will also find us there before we finish up um, i just wanted to say thank you again from the on farm team and the team behind the on farm team which is the seen and heard pr and marketing team we'd always love to hear from you if you've got any uh, comments on the podcast or ideas for the podcast or even if you need any pr and marketing help for your business so thank you for listening um scotland's rural stories told through on farm couldn't be done without you so we're hugely grateful and we look forward to seeing you next time